Are you curious what the idea of co-responsibility for the church's being and acting might mean for both the laity and ordained? Join us for an academic and pastoral conference at Notre Dame this March 4th through 6th to explore this idea further. For more details and a complete list of speakers, visit mcgrath.nd.edu slash co-responsible. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll give you a quick update on last week's controversy surrounding Cardinal Sarah and Pope Emeritus Benedict's book on priestly celibacy. Then, we'll talk about the first appointment of a woman to a top role in the Vatican Secretariat of State. Finally, we'll explain the upcoming election of a new dean of the College of Cardinals and how that role is changing. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome again, Colleen. Good to hear from you again. Always good to hear from you. All right, Jerry, first up, uh, since we recorded last week's show as the story about Cardinal Seurat and Pope Benedict's book on priestly celibacy was unfolding, we have some updates for our listeners. Uh, The book's French publisher, Fayard, decided to keep Cardinal Seurat and Pope Emeritus Benedict as co-authors on the first edition of the book, which was coming out within days of this scandal unfolding. The books had likely already been printed. But for the second and subsequent editions, the book is going to say, by Cardinal Robert Seurat with a contribution from Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. The book's American publisher, Ignatius Press, is standing by their decision to list Benedict as a co-author. Jerry, we also had an update this week uh, with more comments from former renuncio to the United States, Carlo Maria Vigano. Uh, Can you update us on what he said? Well, many people have commented. He was one of them. He came out in a written statement, which was published by some news outlets in the United States, first of all, where he's basically said that Archbishop Genschwein, Benedict's secretary since really before he became Pope, had effectively controlled Benedict. And he used pretty heavy language to say that Benedict was really, he doesn't use the word prisoner, but he he was greatly directed in who he met, what things he did by uh, Archbishop Ganschwein. Um, how are folks in Rome taking that? Is this kind of something that's accepted to be true? I know that Vigano is someone who is often met with, you know, a, quite a bit of skepticism. Well, Vigano is really not cutting much ice in Rome in reality. But the point he makes is that Archbishop Ganschwein should have uh, been protected, Emeritus Pope Benedict, from getting into involved in such situations. In fact, this is a point that's being made right across the board in Rome by people in the Vatican, by journalists, by commentators in the diplomatic corps, that somehow Benedict should have never been involved in this kind of situation. Right. There's still a lot of uh, questions that need to be resolved around this book, and we'll keep our listeners up to date on that story as it continues to unfold.
On Wednesday, January 15th, Pope Francis appointed a woman to a managerial role in the Vatican's Secretariat of State, one of its most important offices for the first time. Dr. Francesca Di Giovanni has worked for the Secretariat of State for 27 years and will now head the Vatican's relations with multilateral international organizations like the United Nations. She becomes one of six women holding a position at this level in the Vatican, and one woman, Barbara Giatta, who runs the Vatican Museums, holds a higher rank. So, Jerry, let's talk about uh, Francesca Di Giovanni herself. Have you met her? What do we know about her work? I've not met her. She, uh, I do know that she was part of the team within the section for the relations with states. Uh, she was part of a team within that, which was dealing with multilateral affairs. For the Holy See, for the Vatican, the multilateral area is very important. You have the bilateral area where the Holy See relating to one state, to India, to China, to the United States, or whatever. The other is the Holy See's relation to the intergovernmental organizations and to the treaties. So to the United Nations in New York, in Geneva, in Vienna, other intergovernmental bodies also. And she will be now the Vatican's point person in relation to those organizations. Right. Um, This appointment reflects the way that Pope Francis has been trying to prioritize multilateral relations, especially with organizations like the UN. He's talked about how important they are in two major messages that I can think of this month, um, his speech to the diplomatic corps and his World Day of Peace message. So uh, can you explain what Francis changed structurally with this appointment to reflect that priority? Well, hitherto in the history of the Secretariat of State, which is really the nerve center of the Vatican, no woman has held such a, a position. There is the secretary and there is the undersecretaries. So in other words, like you have a foreign minister and you have two deputy foreign ministers now. This is important because I've heard many years ago people saying, well, really, the Vatican's secretary for relations with states, in other words, the foreign minister, could he not be a lay person? Francis is opening up new horizons here by appointing a woman to the next ranking position. But he also, um, he he raised up the status of this position, right? In addition to naming a woman, but no matter who was going to fill the role, it, the position's rank changed, right? Yeah, there are two factors here. You're absolutely right. Two factors. One is the raising of the whole multilateral area to a special section within the section for relations with states. So in other words, upgrading this area. And secondly, appointing a woman to it. So there are two firsts in this. And it is giving enormous importance to the multilateral question. Because we saw way back in 2003, before the the United States invaded, along with Britain, invaded Iraq. We saw the big discussion in the United Nations and the failure there to actually resolve the problem with Saddam Hussein. It was a failure. And so two states, Britain, uh, United States and Britain, led by the United States, stepped out from the multilateral thing and said, we're going it alone. Now, this going it alone has continued since then in a very big way. We've seen the United States 
withdrawing from the Paris Agreement, which was a multilateral agreement on climate change. And many people fear that this breaking away from the multilateralism is really going to create enormous problems in the future. And so Pope Francis, by upgrading the multilateral uh, structure within the Vatican, is saying, I'm giving great importance to this. We have to go back to the multilateral path if we want to re resolve the problems that are now emerging across the globe. Right. So let's talk about the other first you mentioned, which is uh, that Pope Francis appointed a woman to this position for the first time. Um, I'm wondering if if people in Rome are considering this as kind of a step in a larger movement towards uh, including more women in leadership in the Vatican, or if they see this as kind of an isolated case. No, I don't think it's isolated, because if you've watched over the, as you have, I know, over the past two years, Francis has appointed women in various places where they never were before. For example, he, he invite, uh, appointed some women consultors to the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, something unprecedented in the history of that congregation. I was told when the appointment of Dr. Di Giovanni was made that this is really opening up the, the, the area. It's opening up. It's, it's not a once only. She will be there for three years because she will be 67 in March, and so she will serve for three years. And then uh, one would expect that perhaps another one woman would follow her. But the Pope's intention, he's made very clear, he wants more women in decision-making roles in the Holy See, in the Vatican. I think we have to stand by. There will be other appointments for sure. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing those. Um, Dr. Di Giovanni gave an interview to Vatican News, the Vatican State Media, about her appointment. And in it, she addressed this uh, question about you know her appointment as a woman. She says, The Holy Father has made an unprecedented decision, certainly, which beyond myself personally represents an indication of an attention towards women. But the responsibility is connected to the job rather than the fact of being a woman. Um, so I really <laughs> I enjoyed that quote. I, I think that... Um, yeah, it's it's important that a woman is filling this role, but I, I also look forward to the day when, you know, maybe it's not so big of a deal that a woman is filling a role. <laughs> Cherry, we will keep our listeners up to date on any forthcoming appointments uh, here on Inside the Vatican. For our next story, the College of Cardinals will soon have a new dean. Pope Francis accepted the resignation of Cardinal Angelo Sedano, the former dean, at the end of last year. And Jerry, you're expecting for a new dean to be elected soon. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the election, I wanted to ask you about this role, because, you know, most of us, if we ever hear about the dean of College of Cardinals, only ever hear about him when a pope dies or we're expecting a conclave. Um, but when Sedano resigned in December, Pope Francis said he hoped the next dean would have the job full-time, which kind of surprised me. So I'm wondering, what responsibilities this, does this job include that, that might make it so time-consuming? The College of Cardinals now has about 200 members. It's a lot. There is a lot of communication that needs to go on from the dean to the cardinals, from the cardinals to the dean, messages to be passed on to the pope, questions being raised, and there are lots of uh, issues. And the pope thinks the dean should be one person who dedicates his time to the cardinals, not 
do a part-time job and have his main work in a Vatican office. So it's a question of giving greater care and overseeing the cardinals and also alerting the Pope if there are problems among the cardinals. Mm. So I think it's a very wise decision. But also uh, Pope Francis doesn't want the dean to become a power person who remains in office. One pope comes, another goes, and such like, and the dean stays on. No, Francis said five years, and it's possible to have an extension for another five years, but that's it. In other words, Francis has put down term limits. Yeah, um, complicating this story is the fact that on the day Sedano resigned, the Legionaries of Christ published a report identifying Sedano as the person who had led efforts in the Vatican to cover up abuse cases involving Legionary priests and their founder, who is this infamous abuser, Marshal Maciel. Um, and the Vatican said that the report was not the reason that Sedano resigned. This was due to his advanced age. I'm not going to ask you to speculate about that, but I do wonder, you know, considering all of this, if you think that Part of the reason that Francis wanted to make changes to this office were maybe because or linked to the way that Sedano was able to use his power in this role. Look, Sedano's power was in relation to the Legion was not as dean of the College of Cardinals. It was as Secretary of State. Mm-hmm. And I think this should be very clear. Indeed, this question was raised before Pope Francis went to Ireland. So l- l- let's be very clear. You have to distinguish. It was not as dean of the College of Cardinals that Sodano exercised his power. It was as secretary of state. This is the role that he had right before um, he became dean. And in fact, he held both for, for a year. He was appointed dean in 2005 after Benedict was elected. Benedict replaced him as secretary of state in late 2006. But the dealings with Maciel happened when he was Secretary of State. All right, Jerry, I think that's an important thing for us to clarify. Um, my last question for you is about this election. So who's who's electing the new dean and when's this taking place? Well, this is very, very interesting because historically there have been suburban dioceses, six suburban dioceses around Rome. There were six dioceses. One was Frascati, famous for wine. Another was Ostia, down by the beach. Another was Palestrina, linked to the music. Uh, So there were six dioceses around Rome, the cardinal bishops of whom would elect the dean. But uh, Pope Francis saw that all those men are practically 80 or over, some of them quite old. He said uh, it is important, in his view, that the cardinal deacon presides over the election of the pope. But if you're over 80, you cannot preside. That happened with Sodano. He could not enter the conclave. So Cardinal Ray, the deputy dean, stood in and was in charge of the election. And Jerry, when are we expecting this election to take place? As I said, it could be this by the end of the week, but certainly before the end of the month. All right, we'll keep you updated on who is elected dean of the College of Cardinals here on Inside the Vatican. Jerry, real quick before we wrap up, we want to introduce a new section of the show uh, in which we ask you what's on the horizon? What's what's coming up that you have your eyes on? 
So the first thing I wanted to ask you about was the follow-up document to the Amazon Synod. Uh, We were just talking about this last week when the book controversy uh, came out because that book was seen as kind of being an influence, uh, an attempt to influence Pope Francis' decision on married priests that he would would make in this document. Um, Can you update us on when we can expect that document to come out? Yes, I understand the document is finished or practically finished and will be translated in the coming days. Uh, I think maybe the first or at latest the second week of February. So certainly before the 15th of February, probably before in the first week of February. Jerry, there's also a big meeting coming up in Jerusalem in a couple of days. Can you tell me about that? This week in Jerusalem, at the invitation of the President of Israel, Leaders from more than 40 states are gathering for the Fifth World Holocaust Forum. That's an international gathering focusing, reflecting on the forum, which will take place at Yad Vashem, which is the memorial to the Holocaust set up in the State of Israel. At that meeting, the Vatican will be, the Holy See will be represented by Cardinal Koch, Swiss Cardinal. He is there because he is president of the Vatican's Commission for Religious Relations with the Jews. Also at that meeting will be the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence. And also on his first foreign visit, the new president of Argentina. Now, both Pence and Fernandez, the new president of Argentina, are going to come to visit the Pope in the coming days. Vice President Pence will be here in meet Pope Francis at noon on Friday, this Friday, the 24th. Are we likely to hear anything out of that meeting about, you know, what they say to each other? Is that going to be up under wraps? I've tried to understand what this would be, and I, I understand it's mainly a courtesy call. But of course, if Vice President Pence says some very strong things about the Israeli-Palestinian election and the future of the Holy Land, the Holy See will be very attentive to that, because their position and and that of the United States is not on the same page right now. All right, Jerry, thank you for all the updates, and I'll look forward to talking to you about all these stories next week. Thank you, Colin. I think we'll have a lot of news for our listeners next week. Uh, Many things happening, and One thing to watch for, I think we'll know very soon, is the Pope's travel program for next year. Which often also means your travel program. So looking forward to hearing about that. All right, we'll see you later. Thank you. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Lowshirt studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next week. Are you curious what the idea of co-responsibility for the Church's being and acting might mean for both the laity and ordained? Join us for an academic and pastoral conference at Notre Dame this March 4th through 6th to explore this idea further. For more details and a complete list of speakers, visit mcgrath.nd.edu slash co-responsible.